Hi, you're listening to Tales from the Jungle, Living with Addiction. This is a podcast written and produced by a mom of an addict, specifically for other families who live with and or interact with an addicted family member. Do you trust me? As the title implies, this episode is all about trust. Can I trust Casey and can she trust me? This is a self-reflective journey that may echo some of the thoughts of you, the listener. I hope to take these musings all the way through until I get to the other side. Welcome back to Tales from the Jungle. I'm talking about trust today. Oh man, this isn't getting any easier. For many of us, trust is a really scary word. Because of the way I grew up, when I met my husband, I asked him never to use the phrase, trust me, because it's been misused in my life so many times up to that time. And it may be true for you as well. It's been difficult to wrap my head around the idea of trust. When we talk about trust, we also talk about who's at fault, what what was the reason behind someone lying to me. In this country, we have a belief of giving someone the benefit of the doubt. And why do we believe that? If you watch Dr. Phil, he talks about how we shouldn't give anyone the benefit of the doubt. They need to prove that they are trustworthy in order for us to give our trust to them. And isn't that the same with anyone in our family, anyone we know? I think family members tend to believe that they're owed trust and owed a belief in them just because they are our family members. And if they've lied to us before, They still believe that we should believe them going forward. And that's been something that's really, especially with my background, that's something really difficult for me. I can't just give a blanket trust and belief on whatever is said to me. So if I look at the nuts and bolts of trying to deal with KC and navigate this terrain, I have to try and figure out, do I... How much do I question? How much do I believe? What is the damage if I believe in error? And where do I go from here? And so one of the things I look at is, are the lies purposeful? What's what's behind the lies? So when I've talked to Casey about it, one of the things she's told me is that it's just easier to lie because if she lies and gets away with it, then she can uh, do whatever she's doing and, and not have to worry about it. She actually told me that she used to weigh the pros and cons, knowing that if she got caught, okay, what's the worst that can happen to me? And that was when she was a teenager, and now as an adult, of course, the consequences are so much worse. And I think she really had to get to that point of getting to those consequences 
of those really bad consequences in order to find out the damage that it's not the lying itself by itself, but it's what it's involved with. And it all is wrapped up in kind of the same intricate package. I think the first time that she was in recovery, I wanted so much for her to see the positives of being in recovery that I wanted to show that I trusted her and I believed her and everything going forward. That approach was working while she was in recovery, but once she slipped and started using behind her back and started manipulating and lying and doing all of that, that approach doesn't work because her lies are, she's able to get away with those lies. And it took us a while to really narrow down and understand that she was lying. And each time she went into recovery, she went in for a shorter and shorter amount of time. There was at one point when she was going into recovery that I think it was just to get us to help her get a place to live, get a car, have have the things to make her life much easier. And as it turns out, the only way her recovery was going to work was for it not to be easy. She had to take the hard road of doing most of it herself. We could only help her with the bare minimum. And even at that, she had to do a contract to pay us back and things like that. It's not about whether we can afford it, whether we can't afford it. It had to do with her building her own self-esteem, her building her own integrity, knowing that her word is her honor and that if she lies, then that's, that's on her and it's a reflection of her. One of the difficulties of that mindset is that if there's a misunderstanding, if for some reason the facts appear that she's lying when she's really not, it makes it that much harder for her. She was, it cut her to the core whenever I didn't believe her and she was actually telling the truth. And it was hard for her to understand that we have to question and we have to verify the facts just because of the past that we've all been through as a family. And then it made it that much harder with my own personal past. So far, I've been talking about our trust in Casey and whether we can trust her and so on. But I think it's also important to talk about her feelings of being able to trust us as a family. Are we consistent with what we do? Can she act in a certain way and know that she's going to get the same response each and every time. Because if, if it's unclear, if it's always something different, if she can't predict the outcome in our actions, then it makes it that much harder for her to stay on the road that she's on. And I think it's important to, number one, keep that communication open with her get to a point where she feels like she can talk about what she's upset about there, whether it needs to be with the third party or what, whatever it is, there needs to be that communication where, where she is able to say, 
hey, you hurt my feelings, or I don't trust you. This is how you've broken my trust. And for us to be able to say the same thing, that here, here's how you've broken our trust as well. And this is what we need to do to fix it. This is, these are the actions that we each need to see going forward so that we can trust each other. And why does she not trust me? Is it because I haven't been consistent in the past? Is it because everyone around her, when she's in that world, she can't trust anyone? Everyone's double dealing. Everyone's always out for their own good. Everyone's out to use her. And so does she take that mindset in and it's hard to discard it when she works with our family. And little by little, as she gets better in recovery, I mean, we're at two and a half years now. Yay. But she has to work every single day at it. And whether or not she still has a desire to use or not, there's still behaviors that sometimes look similar to what we used to see. And when we see those, that's a red flag for us, and we go back to where we used to be. But is that appropriate? I don't, I don't know. Uh, does she need to be more open and candid with us so that we don't go there? That may be one, one way of looking at it. However, she's an adult. She's well past her 20s, so why wouldn't she need to have her own life in her own way her own, she doesn't need to answer to mom and dad for every single thing she does. She's supporting herself. So she's not reliant on us and she's not beholden to us. So she doesn't owe us anything. Although we would still expect her to be truthful and honest with us when we're talking to her. And in order to facilitate that, I try not to push the boundaries. I try not to ask the personal questions that I know that she probably won't want to answer. I try to be respectful as I would anyone who is an adult and and taking care of themselves. That's the way I try and treat her so that she can understand that these are the expectations of you, but you also get to have that pride of knowing that you're doing it yourself. You're being honorable and you are working in a way that that people can believe you and trust you. I guess one thing I really need to reflect on is whether a lack of trust has anything to do with the cycle of addiction and Casey's psychological need to use. Does that does that have an impact in her getting back into that mindset of wanting to use? One of the things she's told me about her, the reason she was using was her lack of hope. She had no hope, no desire for a future. And in fact, growing up, when we asked her about her ambitions, she really didn't have any. And that was one of the things that we noticed early on that was a real red flag is when she didn't have any clear cut ambition or goals or, or anything that she wanted to achieve in her life. And so she got to a point that she felt like, what difference does it make? There's nothing, there's nothing I'm trying to hope for. There's nothing I'm trying to gain. I know she wanted to be married. She wanted to have kids. And she didn't see it as a progression, as a way of 
You have to be in a certain lifestyle, meeting certain types of people in order to get that kind of family that she was hoping for. And it's taken her a long time to come to the realization that she's not going to meet the quality kind of men that she really needs to meet to have a family until she gets out of that whole world of lying and addiction and and not being able to live in the here and now with working every day and, and doing what she needs to do to live a productive life. One of the other things that she's found in her recovery is that she's she's begun to have bring some of her passions back. Um, she didn't have a goal of it. One of her passions was art, and she loves to draw and do art of every kind. And she's finally started getting back into that. And it's been, I think, an outlet for her and a way for her to relax and let some of that anxiety go. Anxiety is such a huge portion of addiction. And I've noticed that most addicts that I've seen are high anxiety. And the medication is another way that it just keeps contributing to their addiction in some ways and without some kind of passion that they can find a release, whether it's meditation or yoga or for Casey, it's art and drawing and, and painting, then it becomes so much more difficult for them to function in the real world. Their anxiety takes over. Getting back to the topic of trust and where we started this whole conversation, now that Casey is further down along the road, how can I keep from falling back into old patterns of accusations and blame and being open to a new reality with Casey? And I think for me that I finally have to get to the point where I have to use all my background knowledge of her and that the situation that we're in and say is does this sound right does it sound logical and under, i need to understand there are times where some explanations don't sound logical and they don't sound like it's the truth that's being told however it can it can be the truth and i think i need to keep an open mind i don't need to blanketly believe her but i don't need to automatically assume that she's not telling the truth either and I think I'm at the point now where most things I'll say yes I believe but anything that sounds a little bit different rather than saying yes I believe I look at I'll sit back and wait and see if the facts bear out the truth or if down the road it starts looking more and more suspicious And I think I have to take it from there. Um, I'm very hopeful for the future. We've come so far and she's doing so well. And I think as time goes on, the more and more sobriety she has and the longer she stays sober, the more that she gets the benefit of the doubt in these situations. I just have to keep my anxiety under control and not get so far in it that um, this is back to one of my earlier episodes where I was too connected and I was too 
um, concerned with what's going on in her life. I need to make sure that I'm still focusing on my life and that when we're talking, we get to talk like two adults and go on from there. And I hope that it just can keep going that way. Um, All I can do is go by what I have learned so far and how I plan to use it for the future. I'm hoping that this helps you as well. Your situation isn't going to be the same as mine, but I think it's that idea of reflection, looking back and saying, what has my past looked like? What has my family member who's an addict, what has their past looked like? And and how, what are the patterns? Are we repeating patterns? Do we need another person to step in and point some of those out to us? Do we need someone who can arbitrate? Because early on when when Casey and I would talk, um, we, we did go to a counselor. And one of the things that happened that was really pointed out was that we were both quick to hear the other's conversation in a manner that we were expecting. So she would expect me to be accusatory, expect me to think the worst of her when I could just be asking a question that's very simple and vice versa. I would expect when I'd hear things from her, it would sound to me like she would be um, questioning my intentions and and different things like that when when maybe that wasn't the case either. Maybe she was just trying to explain things that I didn't understand and I needed to open up and, and realize that she has knowledge that I don't have. And there are things that she can, from her perspective, teach me that I won't know from my perspective because I haven't been in her world. And so I think it's that openness, it's the communication, and you're not going to get that when someone's in their full cycle of addiction. But if they're willing to do counseling, if they're willing to um, try and work towards sobriety, then I think that that's something that's an important piece. And that's just my thoughts. I mean, everyone does it their own way, but that's where I'm at and This was a really tough episode for me to do, but I'm hoping it was helpful. And I look forward to talking with you in two weeks. If you did find it helpful, please leave a review at your podcast site to help others find it. And if you'd like to find me on Twitter, you can find me at at Chelsea's Jungle. And if you want to leave comments or questions. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Music is Riding the Dragon by Movie Theater.